0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Know what the journey into a church looks like when we're just first starting to come to church. Now, many of you, maybe that's not something you've ever struggled with. If you've been a Christian your whole life, uh, your parents brought you into church, you grew up feeling like you were always part of a church family, and that's wonderful if your parents did that for you. But for many of us, it's different. We, we first come into a church and we don't know what to do next or, or where to go next. And, it, and this church thing is all a bit of a mystery. And it doesn't seem like anybody has written out a, a map to guide us on this journey. And so often people will turn away from church simply, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that is so sad to me, simply because they're confused, about what their next step on the journey is. And that's, that's something that we want to address throughout this series of A Church with a Heart is this problem that if you've come even here to crosswalk not knowing what your next step in the journey, and, and that confusion or that mystery is kind of making you feel like, well, I don't know if they really want me to keep coming here because they don't seem to be very open or forward about telling me what to do next or where to go next? We're hoping that this series will be uh, somewhat of a corrective to that. So, here's what happened on my journey. What I what I discovered when I became a Christian uh, as a teenager was that I started my journey in the church as simply a guest. It, it really, in many ways, isn't different from all other kinds of relationships that we start. When, when you first get to know someone, you don't know them very well. You don't know if you can trust them fully. Uh, they might invite you over to their home, but you're a little bit on pins and needles at first. You feel like a stranger to them. But as the relationship, whether it's with another individual or with a church, develops over time, you get to know a few of the ins and outs of that person, that family, or that church family. And ultimately, one day, maybe uh, after you've been invited over to their home several times, you're invited to go beyond the living room. And maybe you're asked to come into the kitchen and, and, and help with washing the dishes, and you, now you're feeling like there's a little bit more of of trust involved and, and exchange involved, and you're feeling like a friendship is developing. Well, it's, it's the same in the church. Over time, as you, as you keep coming back for worship, then you learn about other opportunities, you meet more people, and eventually you develop a friendship. But that's not the end of your journey. Finally, after you've be, been a friend for a little while, you hear about things like 101 and 201 class, or... Or, or uh, the, the growth groups that we have, the, the in-home Bible studies and fellowship groups. And you decide to maybe join one of those and you go deeper. And now you create friends friends that are people that you'd really trust. You'd look at them as people who, who have your back in a tough situation. And it begins to, to go from feeling like friendship to family. The interesting thing about it is as you take that journey from being a a guest to step two, a friend, to step three, a family member, your faith develops. And part of the reason why the journey through a church is a little bit mysterious anyway, even if there is a roadmap, even if it is clear that the journey is going to look like guest, friend, family member, is because your journey through a church is also a supernatural spiritual journey. Your faith is developing. And that only happens through the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit working on your heart. And as the Holy Spirit works on your heart, he may... Nudge you in one direction or another. Not everyone is the same. The Holy Spirit might nudge one person in the direction of, hey, I'd like to volunteer on a ministry team. He might nudge another person in the direction of, I'd like to join a growth group and see what that's like. He might nudge another person in the direction of, I'm going straight to hashtag church and then to 101 class because those are the steps. And so of necessity, because the Holy Spirit is involved in your spiritual journey, everyone's journey, even at Crosswalk, looks slightly different. But here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. The journey I experienced as a teenager of going from, first of all, a stranger or a guest to developing friendships and becoming a friend of the family to becoming a family member myself, it took three years And since then, I've been through that journey several other times. When I went to school to study to become a pastor, I kind of went through that same journey. I I didn't know any of my classmates. I went from becoming uh, a guest of the school to a friend to a family member. When I started as a missionary in Zambia, I didn't know any people. I went through that same process, guest, friend, family member. And what I, what I want you to think about today is, where are you in your journey? Where, where would you think of yourself as being? Are you a guest here at Crosswalk Church? If, if today is your first Sunday, certainly you are a guest here, and we warmly welcome you. But maybe you've been around now for four weeks or eight weeks. Are you, are you still feeling like a guest, or would you like to move on to being more of a friend? And how do you do that? And then if you're a friend, also, how do you become a family member here at Crosswalk Church? Those are the questions that we're going to answer over the course of this series. Not all of them are going to receive their answer today, because we like there to be a little bit of a mystery for you to come back and uh, bring you back. But some of them are going to be answered. And in particular, today, we're going to focus on that first stage of the process. The process of being a guest. And let me me tell you why it really emerges from these these verses in Hebrews chapter 13. And and just so you have a little background here, this letter, we're not certain who the author is. Um, For a long time in the church, it was thought to be the Apostle Paul, but then later on, around the time of the Reformation in the 1500s AD, uh, other theories began to emerge. And the truth is, we don't know for sure. Uh, who the author is, but we do know who the recipients were. The recipients were a group of Jewish Christians who had been Christians for a while, but had a very strong Jewish background. They had come out of Judaism into Christianity, and they were now in danger of going back into, into their original Judaism because they were being persecuted for their faith. And throughout the book, there, there, there are so many times when essentially the message of this entire book is, don't forget. Always remember. Remember what Jesus has done for you in his grace and mercy. Remember the forgiveness that you've received. Remember that We don't have to offer sacrifices day after day like we used to have to do in the Old Testament anymore because Jesus is the one and only sacrifice that has paid for the sins of the world. This Christianity that has been given to us is a a wonderful and true faith. Don't go back. Now chapter 13 that we're in today is is the, the concluding chapter. And the theme is still the same. Don't forget don't backslide. Don't go back to where you once were not knowing Jesus. And in this case, don't go back to the old way of life that you, that you used to have before you knew the love of Jesus and that love was overflowing in your hearts. This is still a very pertinent message for us today. And so look, you'll notice that in, in uh, ver- chapter 13, verse 1, the very first words are, keep on. Keep on. You've been given something. Keep on doing it. So let me read it. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And I'm going to read through all three verses, and we'll come back and touch on verse 1, as it is in your notes. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember. So notice how each verse has started. Keep on loving do not forget, continue to remember. I'll finish verse 3. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. When the author of the book of Hebrews starts with keep on, he's suggesting something to us. And that is that we are merely going to continue to do something that That we have already been doing. We're going to put into practice a gift that we have been given and and already possess. And what is that? Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. You see, one of the distinctives of the Christian faith is that we believe everything that we have and everything that we are is a gift. And, and so we don't teach that you need to manufacture things like love in your own heart. That you need to make that up. That you need to make that happen. We teach that Jesus has made that happen inside of you. And the way that he's made that happen inside of you is by loving you first. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. And so, what happens is Jesus manufactures the love that we have in our hearts. But what the author to the book of Hebrews is saying is, now don't give that away. Or or don't let it evaporate from lack of use. You've been shown the love of Jesus hanging on a cross for you. You've been shown the power of Jesus risen from the dead three days later. Now, that fills your heart, and it just does. And as that love fills your heart, it's going to overflow. Unless we, because of our selfishness and sin, stop it from overflowing. And so as the author of the book of Hebrews looks at this group of, of Hebrew Christians, he's noticing clearly that their love is seeming to wind down a little bit. And so he is urging them on, don't lose what you've been given. It's a tremendous gift to know the faithful love of Jesus Christ. And even Jesus has said something similar. If we go back to John chapter 13, and this was a verse that Pastor Dan introduced to us last week. Look at what Jesus told his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, it's interesting he calls that a new command because it's really not a new command at all. It's just new in the sense of we we need to have it be renewed day after day after day. Love one another as I have loved you, as I have filled you with my love, as I have given my love away to you, so you must love one another. And then he says something very interesting. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you see what that's saying? What is the mark of a Christian? What is the sign that you are in a Christian family, a a Christian group, a church? What is Jesus saying? ought to be the first thing that comes to your mind when you encounter a Christian. Man, is that person ever kind and loving and helpful. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, do you think that's the, uh, the typical impression that people have of Christians today? I, I, I want to read you uh, something from a book called Vanishing Grace. It's by an author named uh, Philip Yancey. And, And he did some pretty extensive research. And he starts with a quote from the old book, To Kill a Mockingbird. He says, You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Until you climb into his skin and walk around in it, said Atticus Finch, the fictional lawyer in To Kill a Mockingbird. To step into someone else's skin, to experience life from their perspective. And he goes on, Yancy goes on, the author says, perhaps this is part of what Jesus meant when he said, Love your neighbor as yourself, to, to step inside of their experience and their life and their skin. He says, I thought about this process when I came across four common complaints about Christians in a magazine published by Christianity Today. So are you following me here? These are four common complaints that people make about Christians. Here's what they are. Christian, you don't listen to me. Christian, you judge me. Christian, your faith confuses me. And Christian, you talk about what's wrong instead of making it right. This is what people have been asked over and over again of their first impressions of what Christianity is all about. You don't listen to me. You judge me. Your faith confuses me. You talk about what's wrong instead of what's right. Now if that's true, then The mark of a Christian is these things and not love. And so any message about hospitality and loving one another has to begin with a little bit of self-examination, a looking inside of our own hearts and thinking about those four common complaints that, that people outside the church feel about us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And to ask ourselves, at my place of work, in my neighborhood, in my family... When I raise my hand and I say I am a follower of Jesus Christ, is the very first thing I'm known by that I overflow with the love of Jesus? That because I have been first loved, first forgiven, first graced, first shown mercy by Jesus, I do the same for others? Is that the first thing people would say about us? Because that, Jesus says, is the mark of being a Christian. I want you to write this down. The church is marked by love. Now, as we talk about this journey from guest to friend to family member, and we point that love to guests, as the Bible does in multiple places, this is, Hebrews 13 is just one of them, the manifestation of that love that overflows from my heart is called hospitality, and, and what hospitality is, is it's, it's um, an easy, comfortable, friendly reception of strangers. It's, it's making guests feel at home. I'm sure many of you have done that in your own homes personally. You've invited people over that you didn't know very well. They weren't friends or, or family members, but... You kind of wanted to get to know them, or or maybe there was something uh, in your business life that caused you to put on um, an event at your house, and you invited them over and you treated them as guests. I want you to think about how you treat your guests in your home. Do you go a little bit further when you're having guests over? Do you bring out the best china? Do you show them a little bit extra kindness because you know you can only make a first impression once? You see, those are pretty common things when we, when we have guests. And as this author writes to the Hebrews, this is what he says. Hebrews thirteen two. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers... For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. That's a pretty astounding statement. That as we show kindness to others, every now and then we might actually be showing kindness not to another human being, but to a supernatural being, an angel, a messenger of God. What makes it even more interesting is if you back up into Hebrews chapter 12, and I, and I put this verse there for you, the author of this book of Hebrews describes the church. And I want you to see what he says. But you have come to Mount Zion. So Mount Zion was a, a mountain in Jerusalem where the temple was. And, it, and this name in the Old Testament was a name used interchangeably with the Old Testament church. You have come to the church. And what is the church? To the city of the living God. This is the place where the living God dwells. Church. The heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to the church and apparently according to this verse... This this is a place, the church is a place where not only do humans gather, but angels gather as well. It's interesting to think about who in this crowd might be an angel today, isn't it? Just don't be obvious, but maybe just look to your left and to your right and, you know. Ask yourself, is that person an angel? And guys, please don't do this to your lady friends, oh, you're the angel. Like, they're going to, that's so obvious. All right, some of you are doing it now that I said not to do it. Right in in the middle of there, you see you've come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You know what part of hospitality is? Is that just as those angels are joyful, when they join together to worship and praise God, so we who are followers of Jesus Christ, we come here to sing praises and to worship and to give thanks and to show our love for God and our respect for God with joy. And that word is so important to hospitality because one of the major aspects of hospitality is simply joy. Uh, A few weeks ago, I, I was at a conference and I, I had the opportunity to listen to a speech by a gentleman named Horst Schultze, very impacting speech. And, and part of it is that Horst Schulze has spent his entire life in the hospitality industry and, and had risen to be the chairman and CEO of the Ritz-Carlton Company. So this guy knew how to do the, the, the things professionally to, to make people feel that you're coming to a hospitable place. And he talked about an experience that he had had in a bank where he, he went into the bank and he said, in our company, we, we teach people that there are three things that will make them feel as if you're in a hospitable place and will build trust with them. First of all, comply with their wishes with as few misses or defects as you possibly can. When they, when they come in, you know, treat them very well so that you're meeting their expectations. That's number one. Number two, do it in a timely fashion. Do it as, as quickly as you can. He, he told a little history about how in the, in the time that he had been in the hotel industry, to wait in the reception line for the front desk in the, in the hotel industry, the recommended time... Had gone down from four minutes to 30 seconds. And that if you didn't get someone checked into your hotel in 30 seconds, they were gonna be tapping their foot impatiently and feeling like you were delaying their life. And then the final, final thing he said was be friendly, have a smile, be joyful. And he said, if you do those three things, if you, if you comply with people's wishes, with as few defects as possible, if you do it in a timely way, and if you're, you're friendly, people are going to begin to trust you. And he talked about an experience where he walked into a bank, and only one of those was missing. He stepped up to the teller. The teller gave him exact change that he needed for a check that he wanted to cash. She did it perfectly. She got it to the penny, so no defects. No defects. She did it very quickly and efficiently, so she did it in a timely fashion, but he said she missed horribly on the last one. She never looked him in the eye. She never smiled once. And she just seemed grumpy. And when she was done, he just walked off and that was all there could be done. And he said, well, I don't know if I'm going back to that bank. Despite the fact that I got... My change just right, despite the fact that it was done very quickly and efficiently, he wanted to be around people who were friendly and joyful. You see, it's no different for us. Not not because we're in the hotel industry or we're trying to be the, the Ritz Carlton, but because, as the author of the book of Hebrews, is saying, when joy overflows, those are the kinds of things that just happen naturally. We, we want to serve people and, and comply because we're filled with joy at the forgiveness and the love that we've been given. We, we want to do things in a timely fashion. And most of all, we want to be friendly and sh- show that joy, wear that joy on the outside. So I want you to write this down. In the church, love manifests itself through hospitality. We turn strangers into guests by sharing our joy. Now Jesus points out the answer to a couple of questions. I'm going to go through these pretty rapidly. First of all, he answers, who should we be showing hospitality to? And Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Do you see who Jesus is saying for us to be hospitable to? Yeah, I want you to uh, circle some words. Get your pen. Let's circle some words. If you see someone who is hungry, be hospitable to them. If you see someone who is thirsty, be hospitable to them. If you see someone who's a stranger, be hospitable to them. If you see someone who needs clothing, maybe we could add shelter. Be hospitable to them. Or sick. Or in prison. These are all targets that Jesus has given to us for our hospitality. And what he's saying here is, when we show hospitality... When we help people and comply with their needs, when we do it in a a, a timely fashion, we do it with a friendly and joyful spirit, Jesus says when we do it for each other, we're doing it for him ultimately. Isn't that amazing? Now we'll come back to that in just a moment. We also hear about the why from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5. Why should we do this? Why should we be hospitable? Well, Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that all of us in this room, whether we can remember it or not, we're once strangers too. We're once guests to this faith called Christianity. Now sometimes, uh, as someone who's come into the church a little bit later as a teenager, I'm grateful that I can remember the time when I was a stranger. Some of you can't remember that time because you were, you were brought into the church very young. But I'm telling you, it does not matter. As we said in baptism... At the baptism ceremony today, all of us were born alienated from God because of sin. So it is simply true that you once, as Paul is saying here, were a stranger, but now you are not. You've been brought in and you've been brought from a guest to a friend to now a family member because of Jesus' blood spilt for you. And that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ, and it makes us children of the Heavenly Father. That is already a reality. Despite whatever process that we talked about that's just kind of the practical process of joining a church, the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the the very first moment, you become God's child. You become family. Now, in terms of the church... You might still be a guest, but in terms of God, the moment you trust Jesus as your Savior, your family, and and the rest of your journey throughout the church is simply you becoming more and more and more what you already are in Christ. Christ. And that answers the why. Why treat strangers with great kindness and hospitality? Because you once were a stranger and someone treated you with hospitality, great kindness, and love. Someone brought you to a baptism font. Someone introduced you into a church. Someone led you through whatever classes you needed to take and whatever Bible class or growth group you needed to be in. Someone helped you join a ministry team so that you could feel like a friend and then a family member. Someone stood behind a cafe out on a very warm patio so that you could have a donut. Someone hung out with children for four or five hours on a Sunday morning so that you could have a place to drop your child and come in here and enjoy the service. Someone stood behind the, um, the information center, the resource center, on that same patio. Someone extended a hand to you and greeted you with a, with a smile and maybe even a hug as you came in to worship. Someone prepared for hours and hours so they could deliver great music to you in the worship service. All because they wanted to be kind and loving and hospitable to you. So that your relationship with Jesus Christ could become what it already is through his blood. Let's turn the page. This happens so organically and so naturally that, it's, that it's, it's actually something that in humility, many times as Christians, we don't even notice that we're doing. And we certainly sometimes lose the connection of who we're doing it for. So look at Matthew 25, 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? This is a continuation of what we read just a few moments ago. When do we do that for you, Jesus. When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothing and and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king, Jesus, will reply Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. What Jesus is saying is don't lose that connection. That when we serve each other in brotherly love and are hospitable, in particular to strangers and guests, we are doing it for Jesus. Write this in. In the church, love can only ever overflow. I've been saying this since the very outset. Love is a gift that Jesus gives us. And and when we fill ourselves with the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus, it begins to overflow into aspects like love and hospitality. And that's the only way it works. You can't manufacture it. The Holy Spirit manufactures it. In the book of Galatians, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Hospitality is the overflow of the love we have experienced. We were once strangers, as Paul says, but the blood of Jesus Christ brought us into the family. If you're a guest here today, I want to say this to you. You're in the right place. We're, we're excited that you're here as a church family. And we hope that you'll keep coming back. We hope that we're serving you with the appropriate amount of hospitality. When I say we, uh, Pastor Dan mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. When I say we, I don't mean Pastor Dan and Pastor Jeff. I don't mean Pastor Dan and Pastor Jeff and and Phil and, and Christy and Jonathan. You see, that's a misconception sometimes that people have is that the church is the church's staff. When I say we, I mean all of us. That out on the patio, all of us have seen someone that we haven't seen before, and we've broken off a conversation briefly with a friend or brother or sister in Christ to notice that guest, to acknowledge them, to say hello to them, to ask them if we can help them in some way. It's hard, isn't it? Members, it's hard sometimes because we we love our brothers and sisters in Christ and we love our fellow family members. And to to break off that conversation that's so natural because we've grown to, to know those people who are in our growth group or what have you and to acknowledge someone who's a stranger to us, that's so difficult. But this is exactly what we're learning today hospitality means learning to balance those two, feeding your relationships with your brothers and sisters, loving them, showing hospitality to them, but also not forgetting the guest and the stranger and making them feel warmly welcomed. If you are that guest, my prayer for you today is that you'll feel that warm welcome from all of us. Enjoy the donuts. Make sure you stop by the resource center. Take your kids over to Crosswalk Kids. That's why they're all there, to serve you as our guests. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 28, and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Ultimately, all of this is coming from our gratitude. As Christ's love fills us up, The natural response of our heart is, thank you, Jesus. I am in awe of all the things that you have done for me in your grace and mercy, and I worship you. That happens inside this building. It happens when we worship together. It happens on the patio. It happens in crosswalk kids and youth ministry. The author to the book of Hebrews says it also happens outside this building. Take a look. Continue to remember those in prison. Remember Jesus said the same thing a few moments ago. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. What what the author of the Hebrews is telling this, this church of his day is worship God Thank him, show this love, return this hospitality to God and to one another inside the church building, but also do it outside the church building. Make your own home a place of hospitality where you warmly greet people you don't know very well. Don't be afraid to step inside a prison. Don't be afraid to to help people who are being mistreated or, or who are suffering and hurting. Reach out to them and help them. Our overflow of love is called worship. Worship serves both as a lighthouse and a launch pad. You see, when we display this kind of love and are known by this kind of love, people want to look to us for guidance as as a ship cap, ship's captain looks to a lighthouse for guidance. And, and so they are drawn in by the lighthouse to seek that guidance. But, it, but a church that's hospitable is also a launch pad. It launches out into the community. It gets beyond the walls of the church. It does things. That's why we have ministries here at our church, like the community ambassador team and the, and the compassions team so that we can show this love and this compassion, this hospitality outside these walls. Our overflow of love is called worship, and that gives us the opportunity to fulfill God's vision for us to be a lighthouse and a launch pad. Here's the last thing. I'm going to go back to a verse that Pastor Dan brought to our attention last week. This verse is part of the set of verses that's our vision for ourselves as a church. It's from Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is 44 to 46a. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That example and everything else that we've heard today really teaches us two things, and this is the bottom line of today's message. If you are in this church as a friend or a family member, if that's where you kind of placed yourself when I asked that question at the beginning of the service, then the book of, the he- the book of Hebrews, the author is encouraging us to show hospitality, to demonstrate our love and our worship of God by taking care of the needs of others, by making people feel at home here, even if they're strangers to us, even if we don't know them well. So write this down. Crosswalk members and regulars, we extend hospitality. That's what we do. That's what we're commanded to do. That's what we joyfully do as a response to Christ's first hospitality to us. And if you're a guest or a stranger today or at any time, I want to encourage you to just be comfortable and accept our hospitality. Don't feel awkward or, or weird about it. Don't, don't uh, wonder, you know, are, is that coffee meant for me? I'm still a stranger here. D- should I really accept that gift of being a first-time guest? In our society, we feel awkward receiving So I'm just going to blatantly put it out to you. If you're a guest, if if you've only been here at this church for a little while, we want you to receive right now. We, We want you to accept our hospitality with joy, to welcome it, and simply feel comfortable here because we want you here. And that's because we want you to know Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us because you first loved us by sending us your one and only son to now turn that around, to to overflow with that love. We know that love and hospitality, as we just said, they only ever overflow. We can't manufacture them, Lord, but send us your spirit and help us to be a hospitable church and to be a hospitable people. Help us to do that on an individual basis, to show love for strangers and guests, but help us to also do it very blatantly and very openly on a corporate basis as a church so that people coming here, the first thing they're gonna say about us when they walk away is, that is a kind people, that is a loving church. They were hospitable to me. Lord, we need your help so that we can be that church. We pray this in Jesus' name so before we close if you would like more information about crosswalk or to listen to other messages head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us services are held at Cesar chavez high school at 41st avenue and baseline on sunday at 9 and 11 a.m visit our website for directions and now some closing thoughts from pastor jeff I want you to think about that passage I put at the very bottom of the the second page, the memory passage. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were all once strangers, but Jesus, in His great hospitality, brought us into the family. And so now, as that love overflows. That's what we want to do for others. And as long as we just stay connected to the love, the first love of Jesus, that's going to flow naturally as a fruit of the Spirit. Let me send you out into your week with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you out on the patio.